Howdy! At Petrus Development, we are always looking to improve your listening experience. To that end, we are conducting a survey to better understand what you like best and how to better serve you in the future. You can find that survey at petrusdevelopment.com survey. We appreciate the feedback and support of our listeners. As a thank you, the first 100 listeners who complete the survey will receive a $10 Starbucks gift card. Thank you for your feedback and support of Petrus Podcast. PetrusDevelopment.com slash survey. Welcome to the Holy Donors Podcast. Join Andrew, Matt, Ren, and me, Thaddeus, as every week we bring you inspiring stories of radical generosity that have changed the world. So, Andrew, you ready to get started? Can't wait. Babe Ruth retired as a career record holder in home runs, RBIs, total bases, walks, strikeouts, on-base percentage, and slugging percentage, as well as the single-season record holder in home runs, total bases, walks, and slugging. With all this success on the field, the only thing that he loved more than baseball was giving back to the youth what was never given to him. So, Matt, Babe Ruth is retired, done with baseball. What was retirement like for him? Well, he wasn't quite done with baseball. Right after retirement, he tried to manage, uh, which that never actually panned out. So, really, his retirement from baseball was almost like everybody else's retirement from their job. There's a lot of golf. He said if there wasn't golf, he'd be really bored in retirement. <laughs> okay. He still acted a little bit, but he really just kind of enjoyed life with his family and he enjoyed the retirement days. Mm-hmm. Was he living in New York still? Did he go back to Baltimore or Boston? No, he he stayed up in New York. So he still he loved to travel. So he still did that quite a bit. Interesting thing about retirement. So he he retired, went and did a uh, a tour in Japan playing baseball. Which that piece isn't important. The important part is though that he had to get a passport to go from the U.S. to Japan. And when he did, he had to produce his birth certificate. Did they ask him if he knew who Babe Ruth was? Uh, they didn't ask him if he, if he knew who Babe Ruth was, but what they did realize that is that what he thought was his birthday wasn't actually his birthday. Oh, he finally figures he, it out. He huh? finally figures out that he is a year younger than he always thought that he was. I think that's hilarious. Yeah. So he enjoys his retirement. However, in 1946, he starts having some health issues. He starts having headaches, his stomach, his voice. Uh, and at one point in time, the left side of his face is starting to swell to the point even so that his his eye, you can see out of his eye because it was swollen so much. And he checked himself into a hospital November 26th, 1946, 11 years after his retirement. And they found out that Babe Ruth, the Colossus of SWAT, had cancer and that he uh, it was pretty advanced. You know, while he was in the hospital, he received numerous, numerous amounts of fan mail. And one in particular was from a young seventh grader by the name of Mike Quinlan. It was a short letter, but it it went like this. Dear babe, everybody in the seventh grade is pulling and praying for you. I am enclosing a miraculous medal, which if you wear will make you better. Your pal, Mike Quinlan. P.S. I know this will be your 61st homer. You'll hit it. That miraculous medal that he received from that seventh grader, Mm -hmm. He put it on and he never took it off. That's a cool story about the miraculous medal. 
Ren, can you explain to the listeners what a miraculous medal is? Yeah, it's actually a medal essentially given to St. Catherine Labore through a couple of visions of Mary back in 1830. Uh, it was approved by the church as a devotion in 1832. Uh, it said, if you keep the medal on you and pray the prayer that's inscribed on it, O Mary, conceived without sin, pray for us to have recourse to thee. If you wear it on your neck and pray that devotion, you'll be under the protection of Mary, the mother of God, and she'll pray for you, and graces will be abundantly bestowed upon those who have confidence. Very cool. So I also read that he got a bottle of water from Lourdes, right? He did, yeah. Yeah, he actually he rubbed it all over his body. Uh, we know he was kind of a goober, so mm-hmm. we don't know if he was doing that to be funny or if he thought maybe that would help heal him. I'm hoping he thought it would help heal him, but it, it, he could have been being a goober at the same time. Mm-hmm. Okay, so Babe Ruth is in the hospital recovering from cancer. He's got the miraculous medal. He's got the bottle of water from Lourdes. What ends up happening? You know, it was at this time that he became good friends with Father Kaufman, who was a priest who would come visit him in the hospital. And as they talked, they realized that Father Kaufman spent some time at St. Mary's, the same school, with Mm. his brother for a little while, which made Babe Ruth and him hit it off quite a bit. On July 21st, he received last rites as well as his final uh, confession. Mm. But at this point in time, the cancer was everywhere. It had metastasized. There was no coming back from it. This wouldn't be his 61st home run. This would be the bottom of the ninth, three strikes. This is maybe reminiscent of Babe Ruth stealing second base in that World Series where he's about to be struck out by cancer. Mm. And finally, on August 16th at 8 and 1 p.m., the Caliph of Clout, the Monster of Mash, the Home Run King, the Sultan of Swat, the Bam, the Big Bam, the Bambino, the Babe, George Herman Ruth, 53 years old, died in his sleep. And then a few days later on August 19th, 1948, in New York, Cardinal Francis Spellman, again a, a tie back to John Raskob, celebrated his funeral mass at St. Patrick's Cathedral. Hi, I'm Peter DeCaretree, Program Director and Instructor for the Institute for Catholic Philanthropy, MBA program at the University of Mary. I've been in development for 30 years and can say without question that earning an advanced degree in philanthropy and development was one of the most valuable experiences I have ever had. The Institute for Catholic Philanthropy at the University of Mary provides tactical training for new and experienced Catholic development professionals. It balances on-site, cohort-style learning with the convenience of remote coursework. If you've ever considered leading a Catholic organization or helping drive the new evangelization, enroll today in the University of Mary MBA program. We are producing the sort of well-trained, committed leaders that are crucial to the Catholic Church for generations to come. Learn more at umary.edu philanthropy. So we haven't spent a lot of time on Babe and his giving back. We've mentioned, you know, he really cared about the youth of St. Mary's, but what do we know about his philanthropy? Yeah, so we've talked about a little bit about fog. Uh, we're going to release some of the fog here. So what was publicized at the time was not so much about what Babe did on his, in his personal life, but it was more so of what he did on the field. And so what we do know is that the Babe constantly would play pickup games. He would go visit people in the hospital. But throughout his career, he found himself drawn to kids 
as we started this episode, kids who, who didn't have what he, who were in the same position that he was whenever he was coming up at St. Mary's. They didn't have anything. Mm-hmm. And he felt it was his mission in life to give back. The number of shoes that the Babe Ruth gave away <laughs> in his lifetime, they can't figure out the number. It could be an astounding mm-hmm. amount of money that he spent just to make sure that kids had shoes on their feet. That reminds me of our Catherine Drexel season, Catherine's stepmother saying, never let the poor have cold feet. Yeah, mm-hmm. right, right. You know, that was that was a big thing to him. And it was really kids. He, he would visit kids in hospitals that were sick with cancer. But what we do know is this lifetime of giving back, giving back to Brother Matthias, giving back to his dad, giving back to all the people around him, but especially to these kids. I mean, mm-hmm. it was the kids that mattered so much to him. Mm-hmm. And he would be so disappointed in himself when he would disappoint the kids. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. There was a great story about somebody who was sick and as his uh, request to Babe Ruth was hit a home run and he went out and hit two home runs the next day. You know, the other thing with Babe Ruth, too, is he did, before his death, he created a foundation. A foundation that's purpose was to help poor families that didn't have food and didn't have shelter. Mm. And so that was something that he wanted to leave behind, Mm -hmm. the Babe Ruth Foundation. Another thing that he was active in was in World War II, he was very involved with the Red Cross. So he was also fairly involved with the church later in life. He joined the Knights of Columbus in South Boston. They actually sponsored a Babe Ruth Day at Fenway Park, and Ruth returned the favor by knocking the ball out of the park and tying baseball's home run record, which was 27 homers in that year. And then after his 1919 sale to the New York Yankees, Ruth stayed a member of the Boston chapter, and in 2007, a $10 check Ruth sent to the Knights in 1938 was auctioned off for more than $4,000, which is kind of cool. Yeah, that is that is great. It's interesting that they never cashed the check. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, Matt, there's really no doubt that the two things the babe loved most in life were baseball and making kids happy. He had a letter at the end of his life, at the very end of his life, that was published and talks a lot about his state of mind and what he was hoping would be his legacy. Uh, you want to read some of that letter? Yeah, it's it's a wonderful letter. It's it's quite long. We'll try to put it on our Instagram so that listeners can read it. But here's just a couple excerpts. This isn't chronological order. We pulled a couple pieces and put them together, but we wanted to share these two with you. And this was, again, written from Babe Ruth. As I look back, those moments when I let the kids down, they were my worst. I guess I was so anxious to enjoy life to the fullest that I forgot the rules or ignored them. Once in a while, you can get away with it, but not for long. When I broke training, the effects were felt by myself and by the ball team, and even by the fans. While I drifted away from the church, I did have my own altar, a big window of my New York apartment overlooking the city lights. Often I would kneel before that window and say my prayers. I would feel quite humble then, I'd ask God to help me not make such a big fool of myself and pray that I'd measure up to what he expected of me. Another excerpt from that letter was uh, he was at End Times and one of his friends were with him. And this is how the conversation goes. And he writes this in the letter of how it went. They're going to operate in the morning, babe, Paul said. Don't you think you ought to put your house in order? I didn't dodge the long challenging look in his eyes. I knew what he meant. For the first time, I realized that death might strike me out. I nodded, and Paul got up, called in a chaplain, and I made a full confession. I'll return in the morning and give you Holy Communion, the chaplain said. 
but you don't have to fast. I'll fast, I said. I didn't even have a drop of water. So I think that's a really powerful letter. And, you know, I've read the whole thing and he was very incredibly heartfelt in that um, and really reflective on his life and what it all meant. Are you looking for a chance to connect with other development professionals and learn the latest in fundraising best practices? If so, join us at the beautiful Naples Grand Resort in Naples, Florida for the 2022 Petrus Development Conference on June 13th through 15th. Connect with others from fundraising offices both big and small, from dioceses, campus ministries, schools, parishes, apostolates, and more. Register today at PetrusDevelopment.com slash PDC22. If you register in the month of March, you'll be entered into a drawing for a free three-hour one-on-one consulting session with one of our expert fundraising consultants. Space is limited, so visit PetrusDevelopment.com slash PDC22 to reserve your spot today. So, you know, as we close out this season on Babe Ruth, the obvious question is, was he a holy donor? Ren, what do you think? When you look at the seasons that we've done so far, it's hard to compare him necessarily to a, a Catherine Drexel, right, or Danny Thomas. The, the scale of the giving is a little bit different, and maybe even the scale of the holiness. Although I think the, our tendency, my first tendency at least, is to judge them based on the holiness of their whole life, right? Like, did they not make any mistakes through their life? In this case, he did make some big mistakes kind of throughout his, especially during his working life, right? Throughout his life, he had that pull to keep coming back to the church, keep going back to confession uh, and try to make right. And at the end, he did have kind of that full last reconversion to the church. He made his full confession, had lost rights and, you know, finished his life out strong, right? And, and he always had that heart for kids. He gave a lot to kids, to the Red Cross. And so I think... Based on those circumstances, I would say, yes, he is a holy donor. And he may be one of the more relatable holy donors to a lot of people that have had a similar life trajectory. Like they've made big mistakes, but they're not lost causes. They're still working on on building back that holiness and coming back to the church stronger and stronger over time. And yeah, I think so. Matt, what do you think? You know, I feel that this was a pleasure to be able to share Babe's story I think he does get a lot of embellishment on the bad stuff and not enough in the good. Not saying that he, we should forget the bad and only do the good, but I think it, there should be a fair shot at both. And, and I've, it's been a privilege to, to share both sides of it. You know, we share this last confession that he received and, and last rites that he received. The priest who was there actually got a lot of mail because of this, mm. saying, thank you for doing that going out of the way to thank him for taking the time to spend with babe. But then there was the other side and this side kind of pisses me off. Excuse my French. I, I get a little heated about this, but people who said that, Hey, he was he didn't deserve it. Like he didn't deserve last rites. And that frustrates me knowing that God died on the cross for us so that we could have eternal life, that we could come back to him at no point in our life. Are we not worthy to receive that forgiveness from him? And a statement that he wasn't worthy to receive forgiveness from God when he was asking for it states that none of us would be worthy if we fall. We're all sinners. I mean, Ren, I love what you said. We're all sinners in that sense. But it's that death on the cross that Christ gave us that forgiveness. It was a free gift that we choose to have. And so, again, okay, I'm going on a tangent about the end of life and whether or not he was a holy donor or not. But the truth of this is we're all on this journey. Like you said, Ren, we screw up 
we pick ourselves up and we go. But ultimately, our, our destination is heaven. Our destination is holiness. And our path is pointing us to that way. And undoubtedly to me, at the end of his life, he had made that full confession. He had realized, I screwed up. I can't do this alone. I need a savior. And Christ is that savior. Hmm. Please forgive me. So is he holy in that sense? Yeah. Is he a donor? Um, again, not on the same level as Catherine Drexel or John Raskob, but none of us can be on that level, really. That's on a totally different playing field there. But I think that he spent his entire life giving back what was given to him. And to me, that's a donor. Yeah, I think that a couple of things come out to me when I think about this. So I didn't really realize the tough upbringing that Babe Ruth had. I mean, his childhood was really pretty rough. It said, uh, something I read said that before the age of eight, he had smoked his first cigar and had his first glass of whiskey. He was constantly in trouble with the law. He was constantly breaking out of St. Mary's and would try school and would get kicked out and have to go back. And he really struggled with this and didn't have that great relationship with his parents that so many of our other holy donors have had. And yet then when he was a baseball player, there were countless stories of him hanging out outside of games for hours just to sign autographs and just to make the kids that came to watch him enjoy their day and have a great day. Uh, there's never any reports of him being dismissive of kids, of him literally giving him the shirt off of his back if it was available to give. And then certainly with buying shoes, like you mentioned, with helping out at St. Mary's and helping out with a lot of a number of different Catholic schools and boys schools and youth programs. So it wasn't this, he makes this confession and then all of a sudden he puts all of his wealth into a foundation at the end of his life. And not saying that other our other holders have done that, but it wasn't just this desperation move. It was part of his fabric to be generous and to give back. And, you know, he struggled with his faith and he struggled with how to live that, but he acknowledged that and he recognized it throughout his life and at the end. So I really enjoy this season doing this one, certainly in the context of some of the other ones that we've done, just because it forces us to ask the question, right? It forces us to say, who are we to make those determinations about who's holy and are they holy enough? And could they be holier? And I mean, that's, that's a part of it. And, you know, have they given enough and should they give more? And those are questions that we all as humans want to ask. But I think that it's a healthy exercise that we would do that in the context of this podcast. And so, you know, maybe we've made our listeners think a little bit, certainly have given me pause to think a little bit more about this topic. And so I think that this was a great season to do. And in my eyes, yeah, Babe Ruth was a holy donor. And I think that he's worthy of being put into the catalog of our other holy donors that we've talked about. So you mentioned this fun exercise of going through. So I, I'd like to put it back on to our audience and our listeners. Join us on Instagram. Let us know about Babe Ruth. Was he a holy donor? Was he not? Thanks for joining us for this episode of Holy Donors, brought to you by Petrus Development in cooperation with Red Sea Catholic Radio. Theme music by Tommy Kibb, Third Top Productions. Graphics by 86 Creative. If you like us, leave us a review, share us with your friends, and check us out at holydonors.com and on Instagram. Holy Donors, bringing you inspiring stories of radical generosity that have changed the world. Hi everyone, Mike St. Pierre, Executive Director of the Catholic Campus Ministry Association. I'm very excited to welcome you and hope that you'll participate in the Spring Days of Giving 
This is a collaboration between Petrus Development, CCMA GiveGab, and I Give Catholic. The giving days will happen from April 27th to the 28th. It's only $100 to participate. And I can tell you as an executive director in six years of seeing Catholic campus ministry across the country, these kinds of days make a tremendous difference, not just in terms of raising funds for our various Newman centers and Catholic centers, but really just raising the profile of Catholic campus ministry around the country. This truly is a good news story of the church, and we believe that Giving Days will make a difference. Thanks so much for participating. You can sign up by heading over to ccmanetwork.org forward slash Giving Days. Why was Cinderella taken out of the baseball game by her manager? Why? Because she ran away from the ball. <laughs> How come she was so bad at baseball? Why? Because she had a pumpkin for a coach. <laughs> but um, I mean, we're about to do a whole season without Thaddeus. <laughs> and every time we're like, Thaddeus is here. And people are like, who's, who's that? a Thaddeus? <laughs> <laughs> but it's fun coming up with where, where Thaddeus is. What happens when a frog's car dies? Mm. No, me either. You need to give it a jump. If that doesn't work, then you need to get it towed. <laughs> <laughs>